and a warm-hearted good morning to you from Brunpen Studios here in Kilner Park in Pretoria. Our theme for discussion this morning is the call to missionary work. Now, talking about missionaries, I think the worst trial every missionary will definitely encounter is discouragement, the emotional consequence of negative events or a helpless situation. It's no secret that mission work is difficult. Sickness, vehicle breakdowns, betrayal, death, and the feeling of laboring in vain or similar occurrences can cause one to feel absolutely discouraged. You should be mentally and physically able to overcome these obstacles and challenges in difficult situations out of your comfort zone, have knowledge about the Bible, know or learn the language of the people you want to minister to, and be willing and able to serve their physical and practical needs as well. Most importantly, someone who wants to do mission work should have a willing heart and a servant attitude. As much as God prepares, strengthens, motivates and guides and maintains us, He also gives us the responsibility to use and develop the mind and talents that He has given to us. The great missionary C.T. Studd once said, Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ, that will last. We should get our priorities straight. May every Christian, you and I, be able to say that Christ's great commission is our greatest ambition because God sends His children to be the workers in His harvest field. The command is to take the gospel to all the nations, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest of regions. What does it take to go to the furthest corner of the world? God does not just send us. He equips us to do His work. So whose responsibility is it to be a missionary? Brunpant investigates, and we invited a well-known Murray Lowe, who presents here at Radio Pulpit, Gerrit Kutsia from Therefore Ministries, and Dr. Greg Donation from Givenardi Mission Station down in KwaZulu-Natal. Don't stray or go away. We'll be back with our respondents right after this. Well, we're back with our respondents. Indeed, a privilege to have them online, all the way down from the Eastern Cape, I believe it is. Gerrit Kutsia from Therefore Ministries. Gerrit, just in short, won't you just introduce yourself to our listeners and explain to them in short what is it that you do? Well, thank you so much for the privilege to uh, talk to you this morning. Well, my name is Gerrit Kutsia. My heart and passion is just to take the love of Christ into the world wherever God leads me. The vehicle I use as Therefore Ministries, and the name will tell you that it's based on a great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples. So that's what we do alongside other missionaries, churches, and it's my privilege uh, to be involved in this environment. But uh, we're also focusing on certain aspects, like the woman of persecuted church as a leg of Therefore Ministries. And then lastly, as we know, Listening to um, the news, we know about the great impact of terrorism and politics and wars in certain parts of, of the world like Iraq. And that we physically need to help them to survive is also part of our our vision. This is therefore ministries in short. Karat, thank you so much and thank you for joining us this morning. Our other respondent, Murray Lowe, literally needs no introduction. Murray, good morning to you and welcome. Just in short, what is it exactly that you do in the harvest fields? Thank you so much. The wonderful privilege that uh, we have is to live in an age 
when there is a tremendous hunger and thirst for the gospel among certain people. And it struck me in Isaiah 55 that the Lord says, All you who are thirsty, come and drink. So it's for each one of us to find the people amongst the least evangelized who are thirsty and offer the gospel to them. So in the South African Action for World Evangelization, we get our hands dirty and we get our feet wet doing the work ourselves to see where the places are where God is moving and where God wants his children to move. And then basically we trust that many more people will be inspired to do the work. Well, at the time of this recording, we struggled to get hold of Dr. Greg Donation from Givenadi, a missionary station down in KwaZulu-Natal. We'll see if we can get hold of him a little bit later on during the course of this program. Gentlemen, in this modern day and age, is there still a need for missionary work and missionaries, Kharat? Well, for sure. The work, the work is continuing. And uh, again, to be, be short, I would, like, I would like to start this answer by... God's purpose from the beginning for us in this age, and that is to gather himself people from all nations of the world. So that started already right in Genesis. But yes, you are your question for is it necessary today? There are many billions of people still in this world today that for the first time needs to hear about the name Jesus Christ. So that tells me there is still an urgent need for missionaries to go out and make disciples of these people and tell them about Jesus Christ and help them in the growth process to become disciple makers. I would like to say much more on this, but to answer your question, for me, there's a great urgency to send out disciple makers into the world to reach the unreached. Murray, I specifically said in this modern day and age with the dawn of the computers, the technology as we have it today, what do you say? Is this really still a need for missionaries and harvest field workers, as the scripture commands us to go and do? Uh, what is your understanding? Let's take an example. If you can imagine a specific person and you're telling him the story about Jesus, and he responds to say, wow, this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, good news that you're bringing me. Why have you come so late? Because my father passed away without ever having heard this. This is a typical scenario that gets repeated many, many places. And if you want to know where, then I can refer the listeners to a website by the name of joshuaproject.net, where you can look for the, for the gospel progress map. And on that world map, you will see vast portions of the world where the majority of the people have never heard the real story about Jesus at all. The uh, website that you made a mention of? joshuaproject.net. In that website, you look for the Gospel Progress Map. So how has missionary work changed through the ages, Murray? The wonderful thing is that in the past, you often had the scenario that one pioneer missionary goes into a totally unevangelized people group and stays there for 20 years and, and remains their minister working amongst them. And what's happened now is that most places in the world, the people have mobile phones and they have networks, they have uh, internet. And the mobile phone enables us to have personal person-to-person communication two ways in vast parts of the world. And that means that we can broadcast audio messages and video messages and written messages 
on the internet and millions of people have access to that. And then the individuals who respond because they are thirsty, they can receive individual attention through this wonderful two-way communication. Gareth, does that mean that because of technology, mobile phones, internet, tablets, and so on and so forth, that a missionary work has become easier? For sure, it becomes easier. But I, I just want to talk about the other side of this coin. And I am very excited on, on what Mari just shared. And I know his, his organization is very actively in, involved with others in, 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 in exactly taking this wonderful news of, of, of Jesus Christ and the gospel through, through that kind of media. But in other parts of the world, let me just say this. If you talk about all the countries in the world today, I can promise you that in every corner of this earth, there are churches. That church may not be a structure as we know in South Africa, or like going to church on a Sunday. It may be a group that gather in the mountains of a remote part of Afghanistan or Pakistan or wherever. The church is there. And one of my trips, I came and visited the pastor, and he told me, um, after I had a conversation with him, he says to me, your presence, just being here with me, encouraging me, is worth more than 10 of your best sermons. So what I try to say is, the presence of missionaries, where there's a church, is also a very important cardinal uh, aspect of the body of Christ reaching out physically, being there for the Christians, then for them to enable them, yes, to go to those places where there's no church in their own country and at least reach them with uh, media as Maria just shared with us. Gentlemen, most churches in South Africa has got a missionary outreach program. I've once attended a church, and as you leave the church, it says above the door, you're now entering the uh, missionary fields. Whose responsibility is it to heed the call of a missionary work? Is it only your job, Gareth? Is it only your job, Murray? Whose, whose responsibility is it, Murray? The um, gospel is very clear that he said to the disciples, you must go to all nations and you must make the people my disciples and you must teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So that puts the answer to your question in every listener's heart to say it starts with me. If I want to call myself a disciple, then it doesn't matter whether I am trained It doesn't matter whether I'm rich or poor, young or old. Wherever I am and whoever I am, if I follow Jesus, then that is my responsibility. And my responsibility is not only to go, not not only across the street, not only to the other side of the world, but especially to look for the people who are thirsty for truth and to enable those people to discover the principles of discipleship from the Bible for themselves. If they can't read, they use an audio Bible. And then not to stop there, but to make sure that because I want to be a disciple, I need to have disciples. And if I want to call them disciples, then they need to be disciple makers. And if they have disciples, then those disciples need to make disciples. And this is where the the ministry of presence that Gareth so clearly referred to, which is very important, can lead to multiplication. Just like Paul said to Timothy, 
the things that you've learned from me and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So in that little sentence, you have the four generations of the transfer of disciple-making know-how from person to person, which leads to a tremendous multiplication, which we see empirically in the world today. Today in the world, millions of non-Christians are yearning for Christ and they're finding Him along this path. Gerard, listening to what Murray is saying, it's your and my responsibility to heed the call to missionary work. Does that include men, women, grandmothers, grandfathers, each and everyone? Is that your understanding too? Well, I can't say it better if I can just put another emphasis on this. Somebody once said that the mission has roots in the Bible, and the Bible itself has its roots in, in mission or purpose of God. No, for me, yes, it starts with you, but there's a certain action that needs to take place. I, uh, through my journey through this, yes, I have picked up on, on, you know, the word discipleship, making disciples, discipleship programs, and I've seen that People have no idea. They still think it's a program, it's a, a seminar, a conference, but they don't know where to start, how to go outside of their, of their property their, and go out in the street and put this to action. So what I'm trying to say is that the church that doesn't have a vision to make disciples, in other words, the people inside the church needs to be trained, needs to be mobilized, through the church, to be able and practically make disciples, and not just make disciples, but to make disciple makers. Because the process stops there in our understanding. We understand, go and make disciples of all nations, and it stops there. So we must enable the church, the body of Christ, our leaders, needs to implement disciple-making preaching for us to understand everybody sitting in the church that follow Christ to be able to make disciples. All right. so, so I say, yes, it starts with you, but the church has a function here in South Africa. Referring to the church, then the question arises, whose responsibility is it to support missionaries? If I'm part of a congregation that has a, a vision for missionaries and outreach, whose responsibility is it then to support missionaries? Murray, in your understanding, what would you say? Let's imagine that you and I are pastors. Now, we read in, in Luke um, 8.45, what does it benefit that you call me master, master, and you don't do what I tell you? This is Jesus, his admonition to his followers. So if we are leaders of a flock, then that is our responsibility to understand that the Lord has given me a church so that the local people can be equipped and activated as disciple-makers and that they can heed what Jesus clearly commanded, that they should not stop there, but that they should influence the ends of the earth. They should influence every people group and every nation and every language group. And so one of the main, if not the main task of the church is to mobilize and equip the members of the church to realize that our great responsibility is to reach everyone. It's only a matter of fairness that every man and woman and boy and girl in the whole world should get a fair chance to follow Jesus if they are thirsty for the truth.
Well, it is our responsibility when the scripture says, take the gospel to all the nations, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest of regions. How are we to understand Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria? Gerard, how do you understand the scripture? Yeah, yeah well, um, that's how I understand it. But for, for me, it's a simultaneous process. Some people, well, including me, let me start with me, have thought, well, Let's start at Jerusalem, and I find myself after years still in Jerusalem uh, with no idea what Judea and what Samaria and who should go there, somebody else should go there. So so I changed my, my understanding of that uh, according to the Word of God. Today, you know, when this was said, it was in a time of just after Jesus. It's 2,000 years later. What is that responsibility? Because Jerusalem has been, the gospel has been shared. It has been pushed out to Judea. It's been, in, even in Jesus' time, pushed out to, to Samaria and by the disciples and persecution to the rest of the world. So the question is, what is it today, 2,000 years later, where there's a church in every country of the world? So I need to rephrase that in, in that way. So, yes, it is a simultaneous process for the church, the church that I belong to, send out missionaries and to be actively involved in all four parts of uh, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the outskirts of the world. Murray, what are the dangers involved? It's easy to talk about missionary work. Sometimes we glamorize it, but certainly there's dangers involved as well. We've spoken about the difficulty, sickness, vehicle breakdowns, betrayal, death, laboring in vain. What other dangers are involved in a missionary work? One of the greatest dangers is that for some reason we would be disobedient to what our owner and our maker and our designer and our master and our lover, the Lord Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, expects us to do. So that is why the main thing is for each one of us to have a solid foundation in our own hearts that we realize, just like the man dug down his foundation to the rock bed and he put the foundation of his house on that, And the Lord Jesus said, the foundation is the obedience to what I've told you. And then, of course, if if, if that is in order, then the floods and the storm winds can rush against that house, and it will not fall because its foundation is on the rock. And that is why Kadab told me about a family in the Middle East um, who realized that they were spreading the gospel in a Middle Eastern country to non-Christians, and they fought this battle on their knees in prayer so that they could say to the Lord, if you take us, if you take my my spouse, if you take my children, that's okay. We have to be here amidst this area of murder and, and violence, whatever the cost. So yes, there are, there are very grave dangers, humanly speaking, but those parents explain to their kids, that if the people come into our house with long knives or with swords and they cut our throats and they kill us, we will see blood and it will be painful, but that's only for a few minutes. And when you open your eyes, you will be with Jesus. So that mindset is the normal mindset for a follower of Jesus. Jesus said to us that a follower is not more important than his master. If they mistreated his master, they will mistreat the followers. Gerrit, would you care to share one or two stories from the mission fields as well from your side? 
I need to have a, a, a short one for you. Uh, dangers in the field, you know, uh, just by saying that, uh, you uh, listeners need to understand that we are the light. We take the light into the darkness and there will be always resistance, especially in, in the close countries of the world where the gospel is not welcome. So going there as a missionary, short term, long term, as a church, you must expect and you need to be prepared that you will find resistance. So a testimony, personal testimony that um, in, in this context was when I was discipling a group of pastors uh, in a North African country. And while we were just busy with the first day, the introduction of this five-day journey through the Word of God and just encouraging uh, these, these itinerant uh, evangelists to go out and, and, and find and go into the dark, I just asked them a question about, well, we, we discussed Psalm 23. And even in the valley of death, the shadow of death, God will be there. And they quickly shared about that, that valley. Uh, in their in their perspective and their experience, and ten of them were already in prison, three years in prison because of the gospel. So I sat there, said, "Well, I'm the wrong one to teach you, and to to study Psalm 23 because I had never had such experience to be in prison, just you know, by being a Christian or to have a Bible." But long and short of the story is, uh, when we just finished praying about what God is telling us about Psalm 23, the police raided the the safe place, the safe home where we were busy with the training and arrested all of us. I was so scared because I, I, I really knew this is the end now. I will have a very long time in prison, but, uh, you know, uh, I forgot to say one of these uh, pastors is a young man. He was not a pastor, actually. He was invited by a pastor, a convert in, in, in Christ just for two weeks. So it's the first time ever he had the Word of God in his hand and the first time ever he have read uh, with us, Psalm 23. But he took it very seriously. So when they arrested us, he fully understood that God will be with him, doesn't matter what's the environment, if it goes well with him, or even in the, the shadow of death, there we, we feel God is, is not there. He understood from Psalm 23, this is where God will also be. Anyhow, at the police station, when they escorted me out later because I couldn't speak English, so they took me to another town. This young man stood in the passage, and as I walked past him, he was just smiling. I was trembling with fear, forgetting everything what I just taught them uh, a few hours ago. <laughs> and he was just saying in a very broken English, Pastor, remember Psalm 23. Remember. And that was the key. And I realized that he understood completely God doesn't change, not even in the most difficult situation where you think your prayer is not answered, where you think this is the end of your life. And he understood the principle of yeah. eternity, The God will be with him even in the dark places. And uh, that was just a big lesson for me, and uh, I so much needed it from a young convert in Christ in a North African country. And uh, yeah, that is the one I could share right. with you, uh, Vainan, this morning. Murray, just in closing, huge parts of the world still not evangelized that has never ever heard about the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. Your final thoughts on the importance of mission work, please. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. Uh, so on the one hand, we have a few simple principles like we've been discussing 
that every follower of Jesus must be totally committed, must be busy looking for people who are thirsty for, for the truth, and empower them to, to discover the truth from the Bible themselves, and to take it further to their friends and their family, and to make sure that disciple-makers make disciple-makers. And on the other hand, we need a unity in the body of Christ to realize that this is everybody's work, that if we want to please the wonderful master of love, the king of kings, then we should all work together to realize that there is such a wide variety of ways in which we can help people to mitigate their suffering, to prevent depressive responses, and to be strong in the storm. And in this way, that the Church of Jesus Christ will be fully mobilized to make the best use of every opportunity. Gerrit, your closing thoughts on the importance of a missionary work, please. Well, I can just say uh, missionary work is, is still a cardinal part. It's it's part of God's plan. It's, it's God's mission. Uh, we do missionary work. So if we are part of the body of Christ, I want to put it this way, if we belong to a body of Christ, then we've got no option. This is what the Bible teaches us right as we open in Genesis 1. We can see God's heart, God's mission, His purpose for, for Abram, blessing him, and then Israel, and then through Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice for us and us as Christ followers to continue. Uh, no option. It's not a suggestion. It's a command out of Matthew 28, verse 18, 19, to go out and make disciples throughout this world. And uh, so there's a great urgency that we need to understand God's heart and as God's followers that will mobilize naturally the body of Christ to continue doing mission work. Well, it's clear from this morning's discussion, it's not only Gareth's Kutsiers and Murray Lowe's responsibility, but also yours and mine. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your input to this program. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye, Yadanki.